Dr. Marge Luter was raised in Virginia with a menagerie of pets ranging from rabbits to horses. She did her undergraduate work at Virginia Tech and got her DVM from the University of Georgia in 1981. She then completed an internship in rural practice at the University of Tennessee before joining a dairy practice. After eight years in dairy practice, she started to do relief work for over 20 practices in Virginia while gaining her acupuncture training from IVIS in 1992 and her Chinese herbal medicine training also from IVIS in 1995. Shortly afterwards, she started a mobile practice and in 2010 transitioned that practice to an exclusive holistic practice, both mobile and in a facility for both small animals and horses. Dr. Luter has a keen interest in mentoring veterinary students and young veterinarians with an interest in holistic medicine. And she supported them by serving on the AHVMA, AHVMF scholarship committee, as well as hosting many at her practice over almost two decades. I was interested in speaking with her as she's been considering a number of questions as she approaches the end of her career. Among those are how to try to continue to provide service to her clients, how to pass on the knowledge that she's gained over decades of holistic practice, and how to provide for the welfare of her staff as she transitions out of the office. These are questions that every solo holistic veterinarian has to face as they near retirement. Associates and potential buyers are in short supply in veterinary medicine in general, and our type of practice is especially affected. Unfortunately, there are no good answers at this point, but we shouldn't stop looking. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Marge Luter as we remember her training and career and hear what she has thought about eventual practice transition. I apologize for the audio quality in this episode. The internet connection from Ohio to rural Virginia just didn't want to cooperate. Dr. Luter, thanks so much for joining me. Be here. Thanks for having me, Neil. Hey, so what kind of animals did you have growing up? Oh, I had ponies and and it, it's really a wonder I ever became a veterinarian. We had we had a uh, goat that would chase me and scared me to death. And we had a rooster that would also chase me. And um, we had bunnies and, you know, the usual farm animal pets. But uh, I was terrorized by some of them. <laughs> <laughs> did you decide you wanted to be a vet pretty early on? I joined the 4-H club when I was in high school and did the veterinary science program. And that really started me on the track to doing little programs and horse things. It was a pony club. So we did little horse programs and um, then they had the 4-H Congress at Virginia Tech. And then I went to that and I was all excited about going to college there. So that's that's what I ended up doing. Did your undergrad at, at Virginia Tech, yeah? That was before they had the vet school. So um, then I went on to University of Georgia for a veterinary school. How was that? Did you enjoy your education there? Well, I did, yes. Um, it's all a blur at this point. <laughs> They've moved the college. They've built a whole new vet school. So it's very strange to go back there and see it. But but yeah, I have good memories of, of my classmates and you know, still keep in touch with a lot of them um, through through all these years. Yeah, it was it was a good experience. Good. What sort of medicine did you think you wanted to practice when you got out? Oh well, I uh, I really never <laughs> had a plan once I got out. 
back in those days, the plan was just to get in vet school. It was so hard to get in that I had all that focus on getting in school. And I never really planned what I was going to do once I got out. But I really liked my um, farm animal classes and the large animal um, world. So I did an internship at University of Tennessee in order to get better at those things. And I uh, started out my career in a dairy practice. I just really loved doing surgery and I loved the dairy cows because they were valuable enough that um, you could do stuff to them and try to do medical things that would cost a little money, but it was worth it. And I enjoyed really working with the, the cows a lot. So for your, <clears throat> there weren't that many internships back then, I have to imagine. And so what was your internship like? Were you by yourself? Did, did you, were you out on the road with someone? How'd that work? Oh man, they sent me right out on the road by myself with a bunch of students. It's like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> now I know that, but um, some of it was in the hospital there where I had guidance from the clinicians at, at University of Tennessee. And so it was in the Department of Rural Practice back in those days. And uh, we, I think I did uh, two rotations in food animal and one in equine. Kind of nice to cement the things you're, you learned in school. And since you did it at another school, kind of to see how they did things somewhere else. But then as time went on, I after the dairy practice, the uh, practice became um, a mixed practice after about 10 years maybe eight years um, into it. So then we started doing small animals. And so I had to remember all the things from school that I learned about small animals and not treat small animals like small cows. <laughs> that doesn't work so well. <laughs> so how long were you in that practice? It's um, about eight, nine years in the uh, practice, the dairy practice. And um, back in undergraduate school, I had a roommate that was from China and she worked at an acupuncture clinic. And it was always a curiosity to me about her uncle's acupuncture clinic where she worked. And she would show me the acupuncture needles. She'd bring one back to the school and show it to me. And so I always had this little curiosity about acupuncture and animals and thinking, you know, maybe it would help some of these, these dairy cows that, that would get down. Of course, it was always the farmer's best cow that would get down in the field and couldn't get back up. And I wanted so much to try to help them besides just running more calcium into them and hoping I wouldn't kill them with it. Um, so I, that was one of my reasons for wanting to go learn acupuncture was, was the dairy practice. And so that's, um, I did start taking the training after I uh, stopped the dairy practice. Uh, what kind of practice were you in when you did the training then? Well, I was doing relief work. I took some time off. It was pretty stressful being on call all the time, going out all hours of the night and day, taking care of cows. So I, I needed a break and um, wanted to follow some of my other dreams. I have a lot of those, <laughs> but um, that was that was a good time to to take the acupuncture course because I had saved some money up and I started doing relief work for some local practices and doing small animals and I still enjoyed doing surgery. So I worked for a spay neuter place and I had 
plenty of money to uh, work part-time and to be able to take off for the acupuncture class. And then after that, I took the herbal medicine class, which was another huge investment in time. That was before online classes were existed. We had to go to faraway places, pay a big hotel and plane ticket to, to stay there to learn these things. Where was the acupuncture course when you took it? Well, the year I was available, it was in San Diego. So I was flying cross country multiple times. Oh, man. And how about uh, the herb class? Did that Was that in one location or did they move that around? That was in uh, Boulder, Colorado. So that was, that was a great time, too. You kind of get used to your, your classmates that you're learning these things with, just like in vet school, and just made a whole lot of new friends and a lot of people on the same path that had that 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 curiosity of you know what's behind the next door. When I start looking through this little acupuncture door, then I'm looking at all these other things that I can learn. And you talk to them, and you go, "Oh, well, what about homeopathy? And what about herbs? And what about so many other modalities that need to get learned?" And you're going, "Well, we didn't learn any of this in vet school. I gotta I gotta make some room in my brain to learn all this new stuff." Yeah, that's true. So when you were learning acupuncture, did you get the chance to use it on dairy cattle then? I got some, a few chances, not a lot, not as much as I would have liked, but I had gotten out of the dairy practice by then. So, um, you know, I became involved in the Holistic Vet Association at that point and um, just learning more and more and what, what the possibilities were. It's just so much. And gone down that path and ha- haven't looked back, really. So um, how long did you do relief work then? Oh, I did it for how many years? 20 years, 15 years. I worked in about 20 different practices all over the East Coast, different states. So that was really educational as well to see how other people did things, to learn from so many technicians I worked with taught me a lot because, of course, the veterinarian and these solo practices would be gone and I would be there and I didn't even get to work with the vet, but I could see how they ran their office and their business. And uh, the technicians would say, you know, Dr. So-and-so does it this way. And so I try to, it was always a challenge to, to learn how to fit into a different practice like that and how also to um, make the clients comfortable with a new face it's always a challenge because they want to see their regular vet. They don't want to see some stranger. So especially in the farm animal relief work, it was, it was always a challenge to uh, convert the clients to have, have confidence and trust and to, you know, let you do their pregnancy checks or let you deliver a calf or, you know, treat a cow. They're, they're pretty picky with good reason. Oh yeah. 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 Very much so. Yeah. Well, that I th- probably what a great experience, like you said, to to get into so many practices and just get that kind of all around experience and see how things are run. The holistic um, association. I became involved with a lot of students. Um, they um, allowed me to be in charge of the scholarship program for many years, so I was able to connect with the student clubs and students around the country and find out how they how they're coming up through the ranks and how different it is from when I was in school. And it's just one of my passions is, is um, working with students, having them come to my practice. Um, I read, I can't tell you hundreds and hundreds of student essays through the years for HVMA. And 
I kind of got a feel for where veterinary education is right now. And there's a lot of lonely students out there who are in the world of holistic medicine. They're really committed to it, but they are, um, some of them are, are pretty lonely in vet school. They, they don't hear it taught in school and they're silenced really by some of their, um, the attitudes that they come across. Different schools have different, um, attitudes and programs. And I think we're making progress. It's, it's slow, but it's, it's coming along very slowly so that some more students are learning, um, different holistic modalities, or at least learning what, what's out there and learning it as part of medicine, not as something to be scorned or swept under the rug as it was when I was in school, honestly. So what's your sense just off the top of your head? What's, what schools were doing it right? Well, I don't know if I should mention names. I guess I should mention the good ones. Uh, LSU had a good program. University of Illinois um, has some good programs. And thanks to Chi Institute, they're, they're having student. many students are taking the Chi classes now in their senior rotations as part of their senior externships, practical training. So that has helped immensely to have students who have taken some courses. The ones who have come through my practice from um, different colleges, the ones who've taken the Chi classes, I feel like I can teach them so much more because they already have a foundation. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. What's your sense? Do you, do you feel like a, a young veterinarian needs a good, firm clinical foundation before they start to study some of these other modalities? Or, or are you a proponent of studying it, you know, getting it right in when they're in school? That's a really good question. I don't know if I have the, the right answer to that. I agree that a firm foundation in medicine is important. But the ones who've gone on into learning acupuncture or other modalities have, um, have done pretty well in my experience in vet school, and they, they have a commitment to it. So why not let them go for it, I think, if they have the, the uh, initiative to do it. But I agree that the foundation is important. Right now, Virginia Tech is having second-year students doing clinical rotations in their summer. And that's been um, interesting. They have second-year students, and then they have another opportunity in their senior year to do clinical rotations. I think it's good for the students that they get a chance to get their feet wet and get into business when, they, um, when they're so covered up with books and lectures. They really need that mentally, that experience to work with animals. So I think that's good. Um, but I think there's a difference between the second year students and the, the seniors. But really the big difference that I see in students is the ones who had previous experience before vet school. They worked for a vet, their parents were a vet. Those ones are ready to go out into the world and practice. The ones who have had no experience Sure. I don't feel, I feel like they're very prepared. Makes sense. So we should back up. At what point did you start your own practice then? Well, I started the holistic, um, I started my own practice in about 2000 um, as a house call practice. And so I did mixed practice, mixed house call. And then in 2010, I opened a uh, outpatient clinic in Blacksburg so I could see more acupuncture cases and more um, keep more things on hand for 
taking care of these patients, more herbs. And so I could have a place for my um, staff to, to work out of. And, and that's been um, very busy. Uh, it demands more time than I have, but I still don't want to give up the house call, the, the farm calls, because I still enjoy that a lot. So I'm trying to clone myself and go both ways at this point. Well, that brings me to uh, one of the big reasons I wanted to talk with you. And that was, I think, I guess generated, I was trying to think the other day from a post you had, I think it was on the VBMA list, um, you know, about eventually everybody has to retire. And you've, in considering that, there were two things that that you mentioned that really struck home with me. Um, and I wanted to ask you if, for more thoughts on that. The first one was, um, you know, it's hard for us as solo docs to find uh, doing the kind of practice we do to find someone to come in and, and take that over. And, and your concern was, you know, eventually I'm going to have to stop and, and who is going to take care of those people. So there's, that was the first thing. And then the second thing uh, was, that you feel an, uh, an incredible responsibility to your staff. Yes. Uh, I think about those things pretty regularly. Um, I think a lot, there are a lot of people in, in this position. When I put that out there, I got a lot of responses from people um, on the same page. And we all want to leave a legacy in veterinary medicine, leave some kind of footprint. Uh, we all want to change the world in our own way and, I guess my philosophy has always been that to act locally and think globally about um, how to how to leave a, a, something to those who come behind us, and just you know on the local level on the personal level, I think that mentoring students is a really great way to um, to do that. And that leaves a ripple effect. I think they they it opens their eyes to things, and it's certainly been a um, impression made impressions on me through the years through veterinarians I have mentored with. Um, it leaves more of an impact in reading something in an article or a book for sure. So, uh, mentoring students is great. Um, a lot of people are writing books and that's a good thing. I mean, that's not what I'm going to retire on, but, um, I've seen others transition into the, the education field where they're writing books, they're doing more teaching, they may be still practicing, but they're doing more of those, um, those things that will leave a lasting impact. Podcasts, that's another way people can really reach out and kind of um, tell the world how they feel about things and uh, educate others. But as far as um, what to do with my day-to-day -day practice and my clients. Yeah, I feel a big responsibility to my clients, but I also know that I'm not the only one who can do this. There's certainly others who can do acupuncture. There's, um, hopefully there's others who have a holistic mindset, but I don't think there's nearly enough of them out there. I've seen a lot of want ads for new veterinarians. I've reached out to, to a lot of them and seen how many veterinarians are advertising for help people trained in acupuncture at least that's a that's a foundation um so there's certainly much demand for it and not enough supply the world of veterinary medicine as you know has changed it's becoming more corporate many practices have been bought out by corporations and you have to be a large practice for that for them to be interested in you many of the people in 
our field are free spirits. You know, we kind of left regular medicine and did our own thing. And so now be careful what you wish for, because now here we are. We have our own thing. It's great. Clients seek us out. Other veterinarians look at us with like question marks in their eyes. They're not quite sure about what we're doing. But here, here we are. Some people say, oh, I'm just going to practice until I can't practice anymore. But I don't know. I, I want to leave something for my clients or to keep the ball rolling, which means mentor another veterinarian. But that doesn't guarantee that person wants to buy my practice. Some have commented that they've mm-hmm. been through several. And of course, young people, they don't necessarily want to buy a practice right away. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what will happen to my clinical practice. I'm still hoping to get an associate and to start down another path, which I feel like would be a great idea for those who are in the same situation, which is doing more telemedicine, uh, making ourselves available for consultation. And that is an area that has really just grown in the past year. It has gone crazy. There was one telemedicine platform last year this time. Now there's a dozen for veterinary medicine. And it's becoming available 24-7. You've got to have a pretty big team of, of veterinarians to make it available 24 hours a day. But that's what people demand. People want to be able to find a vet 24 hours a day, get advice on the spot. So anyway, that's my latest um, idea is to, to make holistic medicine as a, or integrative medicine as a specialty that's available for consultation to guide people in the right direction. So they're not just going to the internet and finding solutions and uh, from maybe unreliable sources. Well, that helped, that helped solve the, uh, how to service the clients and the patients. But I also wonder how you can pass on the, those, de- that, those decades of knowledge that you have, you know, is there a better way to do that? Um, to a larger number of young veterinarians, even bigger than, you know, one-on-one mentoring in your office? Well, um, there's certainly vet schools who are getting adjunct uh, faculty who are doing some classes on uh, integrative medicine. But honestly, you and I both know there's so much to learn in vet school. How can they cram anything else into their heads? I, I don't know. I, I think a graduate program would be great to let a limited number of people who want to go on to learn more, to get more educated more fully. And I know there's opportunities for online classes through College of Integrative Therapies and through Chi Institute and many others, I'm sure. Sometimes I think that uh, in-person learning is, is more effective than the online things that are available, but we do have some things available for increasing our knowledge it's just only so many hours in the day to yeah. <laughs> to learn new things and to practice and to earn your money paycheck and pay your bills. Yes, indeed. Well, Marge, it was great talking with you. I want to give this idea of yours time to percolate and maybe we can check back with each other and see how things are forming up as, as far as a long-term strategy for you. Well, I think it's um, one way that I can continue to to work and maybe to reach a much wider audience and make things available for more people. But we still need those young veterinarians who can do the acupuncture and prescribe the herbs and uh, see the patients, diagnose them, need those boots on the ground 
to to work with us. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll have to solve that problem too. Thanks, All right. Bruce. Thanks, Marge. Hope to see you soon. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. Bye-bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.